Okay, I'm back. Okay, so be more chill. Quick question. Some people who've seen Be More Chill have mentioned that the sound is just really loud and kind of unrelenting. Did you notice that? I have a lot to say about this. The composer, what's his face? Joe Iconis. He can compose. He can orchestrate. He can arrange. He doesn't know melody for shit. He didn't orchestrate. Just kidding. He can arrange. (laughs) He doesn't know melody for shit. Melody... An instrumental just clashes and sounds disruptive and loud and depressing. (sighs) Okay, which is interesting because a lot of people thought Be More Chill would also get an orchestration nomination, Mm -hmm. and they did not. So maybe maybe you have a point there. All right. Well, summary first. Be More Chill is about a loser named Jeremy who has a best friend, Michael, who is altogether too fucking good for him. (laughs) A popular kid, Rich directs him to a dealer who sells squips, a computer chip brain implant that teaches you how to be popular. So after swallowing the squip, Jeremy becomes a douchebag who ignores Michael and ignores his crush, Christine, who's a theater nerd herself. Um, And instead just dry humps, wasted popular girls, Brooke and Chloe, who are pretty great in this show, to be honest. And eventually who loses control over this, fucking chip in his head and it uses him to infect every other student in school all right <laughs> so i just want to say this is that i know there's a lot of people really passionate about be more chill out there if this is your like first intro into theater i'm really glad you now understand why theater is great but also go see other shows because there are other really good things out there what was your intro to theater Okay, so I made a spreadsheet of all the shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to my spreadsheet, because I also put dates on them, Lion King was the first show I saw, but I don't think that's accurate because I think I've definitely seen shows before Lion King, but I can't remember anything before that. But I mean, the first show that I was like amazed by was Phantom, which is why I like still love it, even though I very much know its many flaws, but I think it's incredible. So also... Even if you think something's great, it is allowed to be bad. I mean, you think a spreadsheet's dorky. I made a graph. Oh, yeah. That honestly was really great. Also, Tootsie now fills out that unused quadrant of good story but bad. Yeah, so um, just like to give our listeners this background, I had like an y-axis going up as plot and then x-axis going from left to right as how good the music was and I plotted every single musical I've ever seen on this thing okay be more chill yeah um it did a stint at New Jersey it got pretty mediocre reviews um and then it basically disappeared forever um and then it was like revived by Spotify like all of a sudden, and there's this really funny interview with Joe Iconis where, I mean, like every interview, he's basically like contractually like obligated to talk about this now. And he was like, yeah, so I just like randomly got a message from Spotify that's like, hey, your like album has been streamed like 200 million times or whatever. And he was like, the hell? So I guess they are our biggest competitor. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, so the album was released in 2015, um, 
It definitely has, as of 2018, it had like over 250 million. I think it definitely has over 300 million now. And so then it just like brought it back to life. Everybody was drawing like animatics of it on YouTube. Everyone was like doing covers of Michael in the Bathroom, all of that stuff. And then it came off Broadway last summer, sold out like immediately, had an extension, also sold out immediately. And then now it's on Broadway where it's not selling out. (laughs) But yeah, so I like had heard of it. I tried to listen through it. I did listen through it. I honestly, upon first listen, really only liked Michael in the Bathroom. I was like, okay, I get why this is like the biggest single off of it. I'm just Michael who you don't know. Michael flying solo. Michael in the bathroom by himself. Michael in the Bathroom isn't my favorite song, but Michael is wonderful. I actually didn't get to see George Salazar, but I got to see Troy. Yeah, Troy is amazing. I really hope he does the show full time and not just as the understudy because he's mm-hmm. cute. So I rushed this show. The theater was old. The rush line was old. During intermission, there were a lot of grandparents like heads down discussing with each other like what. They were just like, they were like, oh, this is not what I expected. Is this Broadway now? (laughs) I guess we can like run down the song a little bit. Yeah, I honestly still just can't remember a lot of them. So I, it, this won't be in as much detail. The melody doesn't stand out and the lyrics don't stand out. The characters don't stand out. So, okay, here's the thing I will say about Joe Iconis is he is good at writing stream of consciousness. Like, play rehearsal is a really good stream of consciousness. Um, What's that other Jeremy song? Um, Two-player game is also pretty good. I like two-player game. Um, Even more than Survive is still a pretty good... Like, he does write good character songs. He writes really good songs for Christine in terms of characterization. The songs themselves are... I, she doesn't have my favorite songs, but um, I think he does have his characters down relatively There's well. a lot of cheap digs at comedy. Oh, what do you mean? Like in the smartphone hour where they're just like, hey, what's up? Oh my god, forgive me for fucking your boyfriend. Okay. And then they're just like chilling, chilling, chilling. And then suddenly like, Rich set a fire to the house. And you're like, uh. And it's like, funny but it's really just like funny by sudden movement and reaction it's just so awful so i'll talk about it a lot rich set a fire and he burned down the house whoa i thought i was dreaming oh i actually thought that was one of the like better written songs for teen culture because because they show the whole smartphone shit right Uh um But that's just, like, a prime example of the kind of comedy. Like, in More Than Survive, Jeremy says something like, if my nuts were any smaller, they'd be completely gone. True, first of all, very true. I love that line. My favorite line. You have no nuts, Jeremy. You're welcome. (laughs) It's just, like, it's so whatever. Like, it's clearly just, like, oh, laugh. Please laugh. Mm -hmm. This was mentioned um, by someone else. It's supposed to be this really modern show, you know, about, like, social media and, like, fitting in and supercomputers and stuff. But also it's very dated in some ways. Like, in the first song when he's like, I don't need to be a Rob De Niro. I don't want to be Joe a Joe Pesci is fine. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. First of all, I love I loved that reference when I 
when I heard Joe Pesci, I automatically thought of Jersey Boys. Um, But it's that whole thing that's like, oh, like, I don't want to shoot for them. Well, no, but okay, that's not the... So he says, I'll never be a Rob De Niro for me. Joe Pesci is fine. Do kids nowadays even, like, watch Rob De Niro and Joe Pesci movies? Like, is that a thing that people... There's one coming out this year. They're in it together. (laughs) Wait, what is it? The Irishman. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. I was like, is this just like a Godfather reboot or something? It that's right. That's I saw the cast like. list. Um, but yeah, but it's like if you're taking your target demographic, which is let's say like fourteen to mostly up to twenty, um, like I don't know how many of those people like would really connect with. I don't want to be Rob De Niro. I just want to be Joe Pesci. You know. I don't want to be a hero, just want to stay in the line. I'll never be a Rob De Niro, for me Joe Pesci is fine. Okay, I have a few things to say about this. First of all, um, the analogy cracked me up because, um, well, because it's funny. It is a good rhyme. He rhymes hero with De Niro. Um, And also because it's stupid. You know who probably does really want to be Rob De Niro and tried really hard to be Rob De Niro? Joe Pesci. <laughs> I promise you. Joe Pesci does not want to be Joe Pesci. He wants to be Rob De Niro. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> As a show. So I was actually thinking like completely opposite of you because there are a lot of shows about youth. Right. The whole like underlying just is like oh like remember back then mm-hmm. and there's so there's a lot of musicals about youth where older people no matter how fucking old you get can relate to it right and this one isn't like that it really hinges on like social media tech culture and a lot of like unhealthy shit that comes along with it and it's not done in a very palatable way for an older audience. It's a very, it's a show I think that will get very dated very soon. I'm interested in seeing how Dear Evan Hansen ages. Mm -hmm. It could still be really relevant like 20 years from now. I think this show, it's too much in the moment of like, these are the exact kind of things that people are going through, which is also maybe why it's so popular right now is because it speaks more directly to a lot of these experiences that people are having but I think like given 20 years that a lot of this will not be as relevant I've always wondered if this squip is just a metaphor for drugs okay so I did read the book that this was based on what yeah why because when I first heard about this I told you I listened to the like I listened to the album I was like all right it's okay like what like I don't understand why everyone's like going crazy over this and then I read the book to try to see if there's like more context that I was like missing also they changed the ending um like in the book the squip is literally just a computer it's not like some evil dude trying to rule the world it's just like this supercomputer it has one goal and that's like help jeremy be cooler and like achieve his goals or whatever and his goal is getting christine and the squip like because you know the final scene is like in the midsummer night's dream play and so the squip is like yo like confess your feelings like right now in front of everyone she'll think it's like super romantic and great and then he does and she's like oh my god you like ruined the play like i hate you or whatever and then the squip is like 
oh shit, I must have miscalculated somewhere. Like, this is not how it's supposed to go. Guess I better off myself now. Like, you can find update 2.0, like, next year or something. And then the squib just, like, tells Jeremy to, like, shut it off, essentially. And then Jeremy does. And that's, like, the end of the book. And I was like, I don't know what What? this book was supposed to say. (laughs) It just seemed like such a pointless thing i was like is this an allegory is this like what is this like is it trying to say something but i just could not figure it out quickly i want to just go through a few songs yes so we talked about two-player game that's basically the song where michael is like jeremy i'm so happy to be your friend i treasure you i appreciate you you're a good friend Mm -hmm. jeremy clearly doesn't take that to heart but it's a really cute song. There's like a little bit of rap. They do it as they're playing video games. So it really makes sense that it's called two-player game. Yeah. Um, and they dance together. They have like a secret handshake. Um, definitely one of the better songs. Yeah. Michael just has such good parts in this too, I think. Like George Salazar just really sings as well. But yeah, anyway. Do you want to ride? I actually really like because um, Brooke, who is played by Lauren Marcus, is fantastic. She has a great voice. She's she has great comedic timing. I like her a lot, and I like "Do You Want to Ride," but again, I think it falls into that trope of like repetitiveness and cheap humor because basically she's like trying to be all sexy about it, mm-hmm. right? Because she's like, "Hey, do you want to take my car?" It's funny because she's like, "Do you want to ride?" and she's saying it in this super like attempted sultry voice but then it's like do you want to get inside my mother's car which is funny because she's still trying to be sexy but like the fact that it's her mother's car just sort of ruins it so it is a pretty good like comic turn and then she says home in a snatch only one catch we gotta stop for frozen yogurt first which is actually a pretty funny characterization of like basic high school yeah It kind of it has the same feeling as smartphone hour where they're kind of like going in one direction and then the abrupt change to something totally random is funny. I think this show and maybe the book just would work better as a satire. I think like if they kind of stepped outside of high school a little bit and we're just like this is like high school but through like a satiric kind of ironic lens because it is almost mm-hmm. there but they take themselves too seriously I guess. I think that would, first of all, have broader appeal and also, like, be more clear about their intentions. But maybe that would offend all the high schoolers that relate to it so much and are its main fan base. Yeah, but it's also, like, I mean, even something like Book of Mormon, which I know you didn't like, but it is offensive, but it doesn't offend, necessarily. Like, like nothing they said was false, but they also just, like, presented it in a way that was easier for other people to like digest more it's kind of that like relief that people get when they're like oh i'm not the only one going through this with the whole like bullying and like not fitting in which is also why people connected so deeply with dear evan hansen oh man find something healthier to relate to guys if the things that get you through high school are be more chill and dear evan hansen you're gonna have a hard adult life 
that's I mean that's literally the thing is that like I think just like any show about like the high school experience like like Mean Girls is like the kind of satire I'm talking about almost even because Mean Girls it is still that high school experience but it's not like taken seriously and so I think if Be More Chill had kind of more of that sort of tone maybe it wouldn't have the like obsessive fan base it does now like maybe people wouldn't connect to it as much but I think it would still be successful and still be like people would still be like, yep, that's high school. Jeremy just can't be the good guy. I think it would have been also an interesting take if they just either, like, didn't have Jeremy sing at all. Because he's not a hero type. He's kind of, like, really passive in this whole story. Like, he's, like, he, like, bitches about his life. He's like, my life sucks. Like, I get bullied. I don't want to be, like, the loser anymore. And, like, the most active thing he does is when he gets a squip, which, like, Rich basically talks him into. Michael's, like, the true hero at the end. And, like, Jeremy just doesn't really do anything. He lets, like, everything happen around him. Michael knows what's yeah. up. Michael's like, you know what? I'm a geek and girls might not like me in high school. But girls will like you. In college, maybe not in college, I lied. Girls will like you after college, geeks, because all I want in life is a Broadway Harry Potter and comic book fan. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, Michael's, like, Michael has that great, like, not really monologue, but, like, three-sentence monologue, um, where he's, like, survival of the fittest doesn't apply anymore because life has evolved. So there's never been a better time in history than now to be a loser. And he owns up to it. And he's like, these are the things I like. And I don't care what people think yeah. about it. And also in two-player game, he even says, um, guys like us are cool in college. Which I feel like they're not necessarily like cool in college. But in college, that whole social hierarchy like disappears just because colleges are so big. So you're, like, cool within your own circles because you find other people that like the same things you like. Especially if you look like (laughs) Then you'll be everyone's type. Yeah. Another issue I have with this is that this should be the message of the show. Like, it's okay that high school sucks. Like, you can try to change it, but ultimately, like, just be you and, like, you'll find your people. But I don't think it really gets there. And that was, like, also the problem I had with the book, because the book just did not have an ending. And, well, the musical doesn't really either. And in the end, even though they get rid of the squip, the squip kind of ends up being a hero. It's it's very confusing. I don't want to, like, totally spoil the ending of the mm-hmm. musical, but it's not great. Really quick, back to the music. Yeah. <laughs> Upgrade is my personal favorite song, because I think this is one of the songs where the instrumental is less ferociously distracting. Okay. And also because the motivation and the scene is just, like, deep and fun at the same time. Because basically, so Brooke wants to date Jeremy. So he's like, oh, my God, this girl's super popular. And then Jake wants to date Christine. Christine's that theater nerd that Jeremy has a crush on. And Jake is this, like, other really hot, popular guy that's, like, friends with Brooke. Mm -hmm. So Jeremy and Christine are singing about how Brooke and Jake are their upgrade because they're super cool. And then Brooke and Jake are singing about Christine and Jeremy, like, 
they're the upgrade because they're sensitive and interesting and have hobbies and actually like them. And it's like actually pretty heartfelt, even though it's called upgrade, which kind of fits into this whole like tech generation mm-hmm. theme. Um, but it's really well done because Jeremy's like, Brooke, for me, you are an upgrade. And I love that. Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me, you are an upgrade. upgrade. The main thing I remembered about Upgrade is just like being like a really big finale finish kind of thing, which it's no longer the finale in the Broadway okay. show. So I love the way that they redid Upgrade because so. If you're listening to the old 2015 track, sorry, um, they actually, they don't have Loser Geeks Whatever, which is the song before intermission, but they kind of combine the first half of Loser Geek Whatever into okay. Upgrade and make it one song because in the soundtrack that's out now, um, Upgrade is like, I already know what it feels like to be the loser, mm-hmm. whatever. That's actually moved into Loser Geeks Whatever. And then Upgrade is extended. And has a lot more going on. And I love that. They should have just changed that and kept mm-hmm. it without Loser right, Geek Right, okay. Because I listened to Loser Geek Whatever earlier today. I actually liked it. I think it does a good job. Everybody hates it. I, I, <laughs> well, okay. So here's what I think it does well. Is that Jeremy has this like crossroads moment. Which otherwise he's just still a passive character so it gives him a little more agency because he's like hey i like the way that brooke is treating me now like i actually feel like a real person and like and he mentions like oh michael thinks it's cool to be like a loser whatever i don't want to be that anymore i want to be the hero now and so that's like him making up the decision like yes i want to continue down this road because he's basically gotten like a teaser of what having this squib would be like. So I think it is good characterization for him. Also because he has no other characterization. My whole life I followed my instincts. Well, guess what? My instincts suck so much! But I think the way Upgrade sounds and the way Upgrade fits together, even on the original New Jersey recording, it just has the sound of a first act finale. Like, I just don't understand why they moved that. Like, maybe if they had, like, the first section of Upgrade and then, like, maybe a smaller section of Loser Geek Whatever instead of just having it as a separate song but just have, like, a interlude or something like that and then, like, mm-hmm. finish with the rest of Upgrade. I don't know. Like, if they did one of those, like, freeze frames where it's just Jeremy in the middle or something like that, yeah, you know? or they could kind of have Upgrade, like, close out the scene and, like, backdrop falls and then Will Roland sings a few lines and walks off. That would have yeah. worked. I think one of the biggest backlashes was because Upgrade just sounds like such... It does everything a closing number should. It like kind of wraps mm-hmm. up the first act. Like um, It sets up a new arc for the second act. And it has that like big photo finish sound yeah. to it. I think Will that Roland was like a huge misstep. Doesn't do Loser Geek whatever any favors i actually kind of liked his voice on it i hate his voice on it because the original jeremy was um will Connolly, and will Mm -hmm. Connolly has this really interesting voice i don't know if it's him or like the recording but he sounds almost auto-tuned and i wonder Mm -hmm. if that was a conscious choice to like make it more technology-like 
but hmm. I don't think that makes sense to have it for him as Jeremy. And so listening to Will Roland on the two tracks that are out, um, which is More Than Survive and Loser Geek Whatever, he brings more of a vulnerability and like a more loserish feel to it. So I do like that. I know what you're saying. And I think you're in the Noah bandwagon. Um, when Ben Platt stepped off, Dear Evan Hansen. And a lot of uh-huh. fans were like, this is great because this guy sounds like a high schooler. He's a little nasal, a little crackly. He sounds vulnerable. You like him, right? No, I like him. I think least. so. Yeah. I mean, like, I haven't heard him sing much besides You Will Be Found, but. And I see, I agree with that. I understand where that's coming from. Jeremy, as a character, is not likable enough to have a bad voice. Okay. That makes sense. Um, And it just doesn't work. And I think, like, Will Roland, I'm sure he has a great range. Like, I've heard him sing. He's fine. He purposely kind of, like, cracks his voice a little in Loser Geek Whatever. When he, it really yeah. doesn't work well in the show. Uh-huh. Basically, Act 1 just ends on a song where we're like, uh, can Will Roland hit that note? And that's everyone's thought going into intermission. Yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> well, okay, so we talked about, like, Rich set a fire to the house. Um, let's actually give a little background on that. Right. Um, but basically, Rich is the guy that, like I said earlier, introduces Jeremy to the squip. And he freaks out because he hates it suddenly, which is kind of like this foreshadowing. Or not really foreshadowing, like really obvious forefronting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the squip sucks, in case you didn't know. So Rich is like, if you won't get out of my head, I will like burn you out or something. So he sets a fire to the house because he's like, maybe if the squip's scared of death, he will leave me. The pants song is really cute. So, Oh, that um, was like to pan- break in a glove for me. It's cute. It is a better song, I think, than to break in a glove. But Jeremy's father had just gone through a divorce at the beginning of his musical and he's super depressed and works from home every day and doesn't wear pants. Um, so when he sees, he notices that there's something off with his son, he goes to find Michael. He's like, Michael, you need to help Jeremy. And Michael's like, I tried, but he doesn't want to see me because the squip keeps like blocking Michael from Jeremy's vision. They have this whole thing. And Michael's like, you put on some pants. <laughs> yes. He's like, prove who you care, put on some pants. And that's why Michael is wonderful because he always catches. He you just, know, like, is the only the sane heck. one. Exactly. He knows what's up. He's like, this is the problem. You need to put on some pants and discipline your child and not come to me about it. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Um, I do think the songs we haven't talked about are the Squip songs. Like, the Squip song, Be More Chill. The Squip doesn't sing the Squip song, but um, it's kind of that same vibe. I do think those songs are actually pretty good. Like, the Squip has good parts. The Squip also has a good voice. I think Jason Tam is pretty good. I haven't heard Jason Tam since he's not the original one that was recorded. But I've heard good things about him. His costume's very tacky. It's a little Plankton from Spongebob-esque. It's supposed to be The Matrix was the inspiration, I think. Um... A little tackier than that, but <laughs> sure. Um, the cool... Th- did they get anything for costumes or... The only nomination no? they got was score. Okay, just kidding. Um, it's kind of cool the way that they choose to do the Scopes outfits because he's always in this like very techy, like silver, black, white outfit. Uh-huh. 
But as he gains more power, the silhouettes of his outfits become more Mm -hmm. royal. Um, And a lot of his outfits are actually pretty cool. I do enjoy them. Okay. Um, And Jason Tam is pretty good. I don't think that, like, he's amazing or the Squip songs are amazing. But I do think in, like, next to Will Rowland, he stands out a good amount. I think it works because the Squip just needs to have a much stronger voice. And because he does, like, overpower Jeremy. So... He doesn't have a strong voice. His songs are stronger. <clears throat> he doesn't... Yeah, So, but Jason Tan doesn't have, like, a strong voice. He kind of has, like, a rounded, nice, like, pop voice. Okay. He has, like, a Hunter Hayes voice. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> He's good. He's Okay, fine. well, so, yeah, that's the, that's the album. Your Tony-nominated composer joe iconis he's also kind of like the pasek and paul folk who have been sort of circling off broadway for the longest time and now they get their like big broadway break so he's not going anywhere anytime soon like he's here to stay you know let's give him the benefit of the doubt and just say that he was taking the plot and injecting it into the soundtrack because the entire soundtrack sounds like you have a foreign object implanted in your head giving you headaches (laughs) and will roland's voice doesn't help to mitigate that Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I do have thoughts on Joe Iconis. I think he has received a lot of really good reviews for a lot of the songs that he writes. And mm-hmm. I just don't think I vibe with him. On the TV show Smash, he wrote this song called Broadway Here I Come, which was not written for the show, but okay. they used it in the show. The main character hears this guy um, playing this song that's actually written by Joe Iconis, but in the show is written by this dude played by Jeremy Jordan. And she's like, oh my God, this is such a great songwriter. Like I need to send this to my um, friend slash director person who's like doing a Broadway musical or just got fired from one. I don't remember. She like calls him and tells him to listen. And he's like, I want to meet this guy or something like that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a good enough song to be like, I would meet this guy to write a musical with him kind of song. It's my calling, baby, don't you cry, don't you cry. I'm falling down through the sky and I refuse to go. Oh, Broadway, here I come. Broadway, here I I mean... Joey Connors has gotten a lot of really good notice, so I don't know. It might just be I don't really like his style as much. I mean, I do like a few of the songs on Be More Chill. I'm just not obsessed. So, But he'll be around. He's doing a couple off-Broadway shows like next year, I think, or maybe later this year, sometime soon. Well, so I said this earlier, but well, okay, so the melody is monotonous and terrible, and I don't know where they're going, and it's a headache. But um, I think the composition is pretty interesting. Because he doesn't neglect traditional instruments in the sound completely. Mm-hmm. But he is also able to create a very, like, tech sound. Like, some of the songs just don't sound like they're coming from the pit. They literally sound like they're coming from, I want to find a DJ that's not dead. What's Taylor Swift's boyfriend? Ex-boyfriend. Calvin whatever face. Calvin Harris. <laughs> he definitely knows how to, like, use instruments and harmonize in an interesting way where it just sounds more electronical than it actually is. Okay, so um, 
The orchestrator is Charlie Rosen, who did not get a nomination, which was kind of a shock, I think, to a lot of people, because he is, you know, pretty responsible for that, like, electronic sound. Also, he uses a theremin in the pit, like, yeah, so he has some, like, cool instrument stuff, and so a lot of people were surprised when he did not get nominated. Um, Yeah. So maybe the nominators just did not, like, be more chill, or I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's that. I mean, hype for this show just strongly outweighed how. Okay, so here's what I wanted to talk about with um box office. They did this like off Broadway run, off Broadway, and literally this was me looking at the off Broadway run. First, I was like, maybe I'll check it out. You know, it's the show of apparently a whole generation that everyone's obsessed with. Um, I don't get it. Maybe I need to see it in person, which doesn't make sense because everyone who's obsessed with it has never seen it in person. Um, but I checked online. Tickets were $60. I was like, ooh, $60 for an off-Broadway show? I don't know, man. So I did not get tickets to see the off-Broadway show. And then, like, I think literally, like, a month after it closed off-Broadway, they were like, we're going to Broadway, which I'm, like, really impressed at that. That's awesome. But here's the thing. Off-Broadway, their run sold out. First of all, because it was summer and like kids don't do things in the summer, like their target fan base doesn't do anything. Also, their target fan base doesn't have any money. So when you take a show to Broadway, like the Lyceum is a fairly small house, but it's still Broadway prices. I looked at it and I think like the balcony was 79 or something. And that was the cheapest like regular price ticket. Kids can't afford that, so they got to do, like, Rush or something. I was actually shocked when they said they would do Rush and not Lottery because I was like, wow, this Rush line is going to go on for ages. And then it didn't because kids go to school. But they did also announce the Lottery policy, which I think is smarter because if kids do want to see it on a weekday, they can do Lottery now because they wouldn't be able to Rush. So I'd be interested to see if it does better in the summer, especially if, like, tourists come and, like, kids are able to convince their parents to let them go to the show or to go to the show with them. I I feel like opening in, like, the dead of winter was not the smartest idea. I guess they just wanted it in, wanted to be in this Tony season, so. But I mean, why? It's not getting anything. I honestly did think that it would have taken the Beetlejuice slot in Best Musical. Like, I had originally thought that. I'd rather have because it did there. get quite a few of the off Broadway awards or like nominated for them. So I was like, oh, they're getting fair notice. What did I say to you when I saw this? I still do want to see it just to first of all get more context for it, and then I think the staging looks cool from the pictures I've seen. The set designer talked about how he made these like this rectangle around the stage as opposed to emulate like a phone. And how panels slide in and out as if they're like apps on your phone. Um, oh, you said this. I'm reading Ben Brantley's review of the off-Broadway production. Unlike the more nuanced Dear Van Hansen in Spring Awakening, never mind Hamilton. I don't know why Hamilton would be compared to Be More Chill. Excuse yourself, Ben Brantley. <laughs> <laughs> be More Chill seems like a members-only club for those caught in the hellish here now of middle teens. I feel like that's what I said. When I was like, yo, old people can't relate to this. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. There are people that I think they enjoy this, but it's more of a like, I feel like it'd be more of an outsider kind of way and not like a, this is something I relate to kind of way, which, okay. Mm -hmm. So 
Beetlejuice and Pretty Woman are fun shows. You're not supposed to really take away anything from them. Like, you're not supposed to be like, oh my god, like, the best choice in life for me is to wait for a prince to come, you know? And then there are shows like Avenue Q and Book of Mormon actually have really good life lessons. You know, they're like shows that are deeper that are supposed to have a meaning, like a sort of emotional core that sticks with you. Be More Chill, I feel like, is in the middle where it hasn't decided which way to go. Where it's like, it wants to connect to people and like give life lessons to like high schoolers and stuff. But also a lot of people I know who've seen it were just like, oh, it was fun. But like, it wasn't amazing, but I had a fun time. It's just like making the stupid shit that dramatic teenagers do okay. Yeah, that's fair. And it's not. So, you know, I... Grow the fuck well, up. That yeah. is my closest thought. <laughs> We'll see how long it lasts. I honestly don't think it'll last into winter. I'd be impressed if they did. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think this is going to last long. Catch them while you can. In two weeks, we'll be talking jukebox musicals. We'll definitely be talking Share Show. And if one or both of us gets a chance to see Ain't Too Proud, we will also be talking about that and... How it holds up. In comparison to the golden standard of jukebox musicals, Jersey Boys, the greatest thing. So yeah, so checkbacks for that. And then that will be getting near the end of our season. So if you want, you can subscribe to us on whichever podcast app you're listening to. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter at BottomlessBWay. Or email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Because guys like us are cool in college. Cool in college. Yes, I know. Guys like us are cool in college. Cool in college. Listen, bro. High school is hell, but we navigate it well. Because what we do is Make it a two-player game.